For today's Bethesda broadcast, we have a special guest speaker. Wes Nelson is one of our elders at Bethesda Church. In today's message, Wes is speaking from Genesis chapter 15. The title of his message is, The Plan Hasn't Changed. Open up your Bibles to Genesis 15 and follow along. Last time I was here, I think I had 30 hours notice here because Roy was sick, and so I didn't have time to get nervous, and I think I've had 30 days to get wound up, so when I was a kid, in Sunday school and in Bible school and whatever else, We'd sing this song, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you, so let's all praise the Lord, right arm, Father Abraham. Yeah, you know how it ends, like 20 minutes from now? And this is probably the first, and I promise you the last time you'll ever hear me sing up here. Unless you come to my house and watch Frozen. But we'll let it go. And if you don't understand, you don't have little girls in your home. Abraham is considered the father of three of this world's major religions or worldviews. Of course, Abraham is the first Jew, the first Hebrew. And so the Jewish faith looks back to Abraham as their founding father, the patriarch. Islam looks back to Abram, Abraham because they go back to Ishmael, the son of Abraham and Hagar. And of course, Christianity looks back to Abraham because Jesus Christ was a descendant. I didn't understand that as a kid, singing Father Abraham, waving my arms and shaking my head and everything else. We're first introduced to Abram in Genesis 11, I believe verse 27. And we continue in his life until chapter 25 when he, is di- when he dies and is buried. Abraham was 400 years, was born 400 years after the flood. And he was around 50 years old when God showed up and called him to leave Ur of the Chaldeans. Now raise your hand if you know where Ur of the Chaldeans is. Was. Yeah, about three of us. The rest, I wasn't sure myself till this week. It's outside of modern day Baghdad. And archaeology, archaeologists in digging up an old temple found tablets, tablets referring to Ur of the Chaldeans. 
Not that I need that to trust scripture, but it confirms what I already believed. It was a real place at a real time. It was there Abraham was born. It was there that God called him to leave your home, leave your family, and go to a place I will show you. And to this day, it boggles my mind. Well, where am I going? Just go, I'll show you. Which way do I go? Just go, I'll show you. If you're going the wrong way, I'll turn you around. And so Abraham goes, and they go a little ways, and then they stop for 25 years. And after his father dies, he packs up and starts moving again and finally settles in what is now Israel, the land of Canaan. In Genesis 15, where we are this morning, where we'll be this morning, Abraham, Abram, his name is yet to be changed, Abram is 80 to 85 years old. And for 35 years, he's been waiting on God's promise. Waiting on a son that his wife Sarah would give him. Waiting to receive all the promises God has given. And so... In 15 verse 1, after this, after this, if you go back to 14, after this kind of downplays the six-week campaign, the battle that Abram had with the raiders from up north, from his old homeland, so he could save his nephew and a bunch of his wicked friends. After all this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. I'd go on, but I can't, because God has spoken to Abram two or three times previous in his life. And that this is the first time and the only time he comes to Abram and says, Don't be afraid. Throughout scripture, every time an angel or a representative of God or God himself shows up to speak to somebody, the first words are almost always, fear not, don't be afraid. He didn't say that the first two or three times, and he doesn't say that the next four or five following this when he speaks to Abram. So why this time? We'll get to that in a few verses. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. There's a play on words in Hebrew. And I I suppose it's not very close, but as close as I can come in, in English you know, Abraham was saying, you've, you've told me about a son of promise, and all I have is a son of possession. A slave to inherit everything. I don't have, where's the son of promise? And I don't think he's being sarcastic or cynical. He's just, this is what he says to God. Then the word of the Lord came to him. 
And Eliezer will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. That's God's promise to an 85-year-old man whose wife is 10 years younger. You can see why it might be hard for him to believe that or to hang on that. However, verse 6, Abram believed the Lord and God credited it to him as righteousness. I'm going to camp on this for a little bit because this is important. This is key. This is so important that Paul, the Apostle Paul, quotes this verse again in Romans 4 verse 3 and then goes on to explain it in 20 through 24, he quotes it again in Galatians. Where was it? Where is that? Galatians 3, verse 6, and then James, in the book of James, quotes it in James 2, verse 23. This is important. This is key. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. The word believe came from the Hebrew word Aram. And this Hebrew word conveys a past tense. So it wasn't at this point when Abram was 80 or 85 years old that he believed the word of God. This goes back to when he was called out of Ur, when he knew nothing about Yahweh, when he knew nothing about God, when he was worshiping idols. And Yahweh, the true God, comes to him, says, pack up your stuff, leave your home, and go to a place I will show you. It was at that point Abram believed God. It was at that point Abram was declared righteous. And so why isn't it back there? Well, the audience, the Israelites at Mount Sinai, They spoke Hebrew. They understood that it wasn't a present tense believe. It was a past tense. The word Aram, it means to render firm or faithful, to trust or believe, to be true or certain. When God spoke and made his promises to Abram, Abram believed it. He took him at his word. And at that point, God declared him righteous. And then all the great things that followed were a result of his faith and his belief. There's a lot of people, and for a a while, I was one of them that kind of thought in the Old Testament, you had the law of Moses, And you could just do all that stuff, and as long as you did that stuff, then that's how those folks were saved. That's how those folks received their inheritance, received eternal life, were able to get into heaven. It's never been the case. It's always been a result of one's faith and belief in what God has said. And then the great things, the good works, the deeds, the actions follow 
the evidence that backs up what you say you believe. Abram was declared righteous when he took God at his word. And the reason it's mentioned here, because it reinforces what's about to happen in the next few verses. It goes back to this is the work of God taking place. It's not the work of Abram. This is God's doing. And this is God's working. Throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, throughout the Word of God, we see this reinforced and confirmed time and time again. And just one example from the Old Testament, in Joshua chapter 6, two spies are sent into Jericho to sort things out, look things over. And the Jerichoese or whatever, Jerichoites, Jerichonians, I don't know, they found out who they were and why they were there, and they began to hunt them down, and they took shelter. They hid in Rahab's home. Rahab was a prostitute. And they explained to her what was going on, and she begged them, before I let you leave, would you spare me and my family? And what was she to do? To hang a red rope out the window? Now what saved Rahab? Was it the act of hanging the red rope? Or was it the fact that she believed the, and believed that God would spare her? Her obedience followed faith. Her obedience followed the belief that God would do what he said he would do. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and if you've grown up in church, you know this verse, and you can probably quote these verses. For by grace you are saved by faith. It is a gift to God, not of works, so that no one can boast. And we hang our hat on that and say, well, I believe and I have faith and that's all that's needed. But verse 10 is as important to the whole plan as what those two verses are. In verse 10, Paul goes on and says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The good works and the good deeds and our actions are evidence of what's happened in our heart and in our minds. And as a result of our belief and as a result of our faith and as a result of us taking God at his word, we can't help but live differently. The plan hasn't changed. It's the same as when God created everything in Genesis chapter 1. There was never a time where he says, you can eventually work your way in. We can't. And the law of Moses given at Mount Sinai, and you read about that in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, that was just to point out the fact that it is impossible. There's no way anybody can do all this stuff. It 
In Galatians 5, verse 22 through 26, we've got the fruit of the Spirit, or the evidence of a changed life. And when our belief and when our faith is real, these things, these evidences, faith, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Is that all of them? Faithfulness. See, I started with that, and then I got out of order. Those things will be evident in increasing measure. It's not like we place our faith, and we take God at his word, and we trust that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is all that it is the only thing that is good enough for me, for any of us. But then these things become more and more evident the more and the longer we walk with God, the more we walk and live in obedience. It's to be the evidence of a changed life, the evidence of belief. And in Abram's life, we see the evidence of his belief because he left his home. And his family. And off he went to follow God with some bumps in the road. We're all far enough along that we don't experience those bumps. We just do things right. But Abram, sarcasm, just in case you missed it. So Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. Verse 7, God also said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. In Exodus 20, verse 2, God is saying basically the same thing to the Israelites at Mount Sinai. I am Yahweh who led you out of Egypt to the land of Canaan. It would have held special meaning to the people, to the audience that this was directed towards. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. What I can read in 20 seconds took Abram all day. Go get a three-year-old heifer. So he's got to go out to his beef herd and sort out the three-year-old and get it in and get it pinned And he just can't shoot it in the head. He's actually got to catch it and knock it in the head or whatever he does to kill it and then cut it in half and separate them. Then he's got to go out to his goats and sort out a three-year-old goat. And then he's got to kill it and cut it in half. And then he's got to go find the sheep, the ram, and sort out the three-year-old ram. And I'm sure he didn't have plastic ear tags or the dyes or whatever, the tattoos that we're using. 
cuts it in half, lays it out, and then where do you get a pigeon and a dove? I don't know. In New York, you go on the top of any building, get a pigeon. Where do you get a... But in any case, he gets a pigeon and a dove, and he sets them out. And then he, all day long, he spends chasing buzzards and vultures off of the carcasses. But never once do we see Abram walk between the halves. See, what it was asked of him was not... For us, it seems crazy. What in the world... It, for Abram, in this time, and in this place, and in this culture, this is the way things worked. When you were setting up a contract, you didn't write out, you didn't get the papyrus and write out a contract. You had half an animal, and both parties, they would agree to the terms, and then both parties would walk through as a symbol. They were cutting a deal. They would walk through as a symbol that I'm going to keep my side of the bargain, you're going to keep your side of the bargain. Never once do we see Abram walk through. What do we see? In verse 12, as the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep. I'm sure he was tired. And a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Go back to verse 1. Abram, do not be afraid. You can read lots of different things. There's lots of guys have lots of ideas. What is this thick and dreadful darkness? I think it's a result of what God is about to show him. God is going to show him the next 500 years of his family's history. The Lord said to him, I know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. What dad or granddad wants to hear that about the ensuing generations? But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. There's a happy ending, but there's 400-some years of misery. That is why God told him, don't be afraid. I'm working this out. This is part of the plan. And remember, this is written to the Israelites of Mount Sinai who have just come out of Egypt 500 years after this took place. Can you imagine the hope and the comfort that brought to them that this wasn't just bad luck? Wrong place, wrong time. Sure wish Grandpa Joseph had made a different decision, whatever. No, it was part of the plan. And then verse 16, In the fourth generation your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. And God was given the, the indigenous people, the Amorites, a chance, 400, 500 years of chances to repent to take God at his word. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, verse 17, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I give this land. And then he gives the boundaries. But notice, who passed between the pieces? 
God passed between the pieces. This is a one-sided agreement. This is a unilateral agreement. Abram didn't walk through there and say, okay, God, this is what I have to offer to you. This is my side of the deal. God tells Abraham, this is my side. God passed through and says, Abram, this is all my deal. You just happen to be the recipient. The plan hasn't changed. We have nothing to offer God. We have nothing that he needs. Salvation is a gift. We are declared righteous when we take God at his word. And when we take God at his word, then the obedience is a natural outgrowth of it. It's the evidence of what we believe. That's why in Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, it is impossible. Wasn't that what Anthony was talking about two weeks ago? Mere coincidence, right? And the promise that is reaffirmed and reaffirmed, and every time God comes to Abram, he reaffirms his promise. To your descendants, I give this land. And he, and he gives the boundaries. And you know, the boundaries of which have yet to be realized. Even under King Solomon, the boundaries that God told and promised Abraham to his descendants, not even Solomon's kingdom and all its glory and wealth and magnificence. Not even in Solomon's kingdom were the boundaries as large as God has promised to Abram and his descendants. The promise has yet to be fulfilled. It's coming. If you leave this morning... We're all going to leave this morning. When you leave this morning. If you remember nothing else, because I know you'll forget most of it. It's not a crack. It's just the way it is. But if you remember nothing else, remember this. Abram believed the Lord. And it was credited to him as righteousness. The righteousness didn't come when he picked up and left home. The righteousness came before. The good things that we may or may not do aren't what gets us in the gate or in the door of heaven. It's merely evidence of what already exists and the follower of Jesus Christ. And so, if you're not sure about all this, if there are questions ringing in your ears or in the back of your head, don't leave this morning 
without asking somebody. I'm going to hang around up front here. Don't be shy. Nobody will notice. And if not me, you know, Donnie or Deb or Ted, or I, I look around the room, name, you know, Dan and Tanya, or find somebody. Say, this is the question I've got. Or this is the uncertainty I have. And let us walk you through scripture and show you. It's not about what you do. It's about what God has done and wants to do in you. The plan hasn't changed. Not even Abram could earn his way, work his way, do his way into heaven. Let's pray. Lord God, we know from your word that we are born with sin. And the longer we live, the better we perfect that. We know from your word that we're incapable of any good thing apart from you. And so we thank you for stepping in. We thank you for providing a means of salvation which gives hope and brings joy and brings light to a dark and dying world. And so I'd ask this morning that for those of us who know you and want to love you and live for you, that you would use us, that you would provide opportunities that we would gladly accept to demonstrate your love to others, to demonstrate your compassion to others, and to speak truth, the truth of your word, the truth that there is only one way to please you. As we go this week, I'd ask that you would keep us safe, that you would bring us back together next week, and that we would be a faithful representation of your son to our community. In your name, amen. You're dismissed. listening to our podcast today. If you have any questions or want to know more about our church, please go to our website at www.bchweb.org or find us on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.